is in the studio with Michael Card. Thanks for making the choice to join us here. It's great fun to uh, bring these programs to you each week. I'm Wayne Shepherd with Michael here in the studio. And another reason to listen is the variety of people that come by for visit. We've got a couple of interesting people coming up today. Now, on this program, we actually have two people we've never spoken to before. And uh, both... Well, we haven't spoken to them. You've spoken to them. Well, but we haven't spoken to them on the radio. Okay. That's what I mean. Okay. And uh, the, the first is uh, Dr. John Long, who was uh, my Old Testament professor at Western. And uh, he's a remarkable guy, you know, just um, a brilliant scholar. Uh, that kind of goes without saying. But he also later in life has gotten interested in Cajun music. So right. he plays a yeah. Cajun accordion and sings in French. He's just this very interesting guy. And one of those rare uh, combinations of a, a, a scholar's brain and a pastor's heart, mm. and uh, and later in life, after you know, after having you know graduated and gone on through life, we've reconnected again, and it just means a lot. Uh, uh, to connect with Dr. Oh, Long and have I love a it. program. I love it when you bring your friends here to introduce us to yeah. them. Another friend that you met at the Wailing Wall, yes. and there's a whole story behind that that we'll get into later. There's but, actually two separate stories, one right. interesting one and one true one. I, I want the true truth, one. and we'll get to the truth yeah, here in the second half of the program. Olivier Melnick is a, a Jewish friend who, uh, I, from France. Uh, he's just this incredible package. and uh, hey, Don't you're give gonna, it away. No, 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 you're get, but you're going to get to meet Olivier. You have to stay tuned for yes. that. All right, that's coming up here. And uh, we'll talk with Dr. Long in just a moment as you join us here for this week's edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Reach us with your email. We'd love to hear from you in the studio at michaelcard.com. Michael, you've had so many wonderful influencers in your life. Um, mm-hmm. We've talked about many of them on the program, yeah. but have never uh, talked to Dr. John Long, who's yeah. with us now. Yeah, and um, I'm amazed that we haven't because uh, Dr. Long was was huge uh, for me. He was one of the readers of my thesis and uh, and said perhaps the most encouraging thing that anyone's ever said to me in in terms of the that that piece of work and and uh, and so uh, we've we've just reconnected uh, in in the last year or so. And well, you dedicated the new book to him. I, I, I did. You know, I have this theory that everyone we all end up being the same age. Okay, so when I was in school, he was this very intimidating, you know, professor, and you know, I'm the little snotty nosed student, and we're virtually the same age now. I don't, I, I don't know that. I'm not, You're creeping up on me for sure. That, that, how does that happen, Doctor Long? Yeah. Welcome, welcome, John. I just I feel giggly even calling you John. Welcome, John. Well, thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. I'm I'm greatly honored that you'd ask me to participate uh, in this program with you. No, I'll, I'll continue to call him Doctor Long. Yeah, you and, do. You do that. And he is my name is my given name is John, and I, I respond to that very positively. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Uh, let me just say that you are emeritus faculty at Western Kentucky University, your alma mater. Michael. Yes, and teaches Old Testament or taught Old Testament. You still teach Old Testament. Correct? No, no, no. I'm retired now. Okay. Oh, that's what emeritus means. Okay. That's, that shows what I know. <laughs> Try to keep up, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> but even as an Old Testament professor, you helped me so much with the New Testament. I can remember uh, you breaking down uh, Jesus' uh, end-time teaching and the, the two questions and two answers, which completely changed the way, you know, I totally uh, helped me understand Jesus' teaching, end-time teaching, uh, uh, so not just an Old Testament guy, but uh, but a person who who shines light on the New Testament too. So, uh, yeah, it's a privilege to have you to have you on here, Doctor Long. Thank you, thank you so much. What is it like to uh, to walk with the Lord and and to study His Word the way you have all these years, Doctor Long? What's that like for you? An amazing blessing is what it is, and uh, it's it's a certain what shall I say? A certain kind of experience is all I can say, I guess. Uh, it is a very special experience, and you sense God's presence with you, I think, all the time. Hmm. Uh, and you're always responsible to God to live in a certain way, and I know how many feelings I have about that. Hmm. Perhaps maybe many people do too, but I certainly am aware of my own failings. But that's what I have out of the special, special sense that the Lord is with me. That's well said. Now, in, in, but in a career that has been so much involved with uh, data, with information, with um, all the facts, 
Uh, I mean, you're, you're, I'm sure your head is, you, you've forgotten more than most of us know uh, about Scripture. But in the end, it's not about the facts. Or is it? Well, that depends on what you're defining as the fact. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, information, some of it, you, you, we have to learn how to weed out that which is useful and valuable and that which is not. Mm-hmm. You, come in, you come in contact with a lot, a lot of information and just sort of sifting through all that and, and figuring out what is really worth thinking about and, and working with and what's not. Mm-hmm. But you're always learning. You're always learning. And uh, as I say, the more that I think I have learned, the more I see I don't know. And mm-hmm. There's so much more learning to be done. And one of the, the things about getting a little older in time, and I don't think Michael has experienced this quite yet, but there are some things that are still embedded somewhere in the cortices of the, of the brain hmm. that just won't come up as quickly as they used to. <laughs> uh-huh. We've just been talking about that here today, as a yeah. matter of fact. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing I remember about you, well, one of the things I remember about you in class is more so than any professor I ever had, we'd ask a question and you would stop and you'd say, you know, I don't know. And we were just dumbfounded. <laughs> well, if you don't know, then we're all in big trouble. But more than anyone else, you would always confess that, uh, you know, I just don't know. And uh, maybe that's part of what you're talking about. Well, that is part of it. And the yeah. other part is I just really did not know, or at least I didn't have a, <laughs> just being honest. a reasonable answer. So, yes, the, the, the worst part of a crime is trying to cover it up rather than confessing <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, I, I'm thinking of the great Hillel who taught... Uh, teach your tongue to say, I do not know. So I don't know if you got that from Hillel or where you got that from. Uh, I came up, up to this uh, independently of Hillel, but mm-hmm. I, shall think, I shall certainly be advised by his words. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, had your music uh, evolved to that point? Was there a synthesis between what you were learning and your music at this not, time in your life? Not really. I mean, I don't, I don't remember it being that way. I just remember having this incredible love for the Scripture and then connecting with someone like John, who you know had had invested so much as he'd been all over the world. He translated. I, now, tell me if I'm wrong. I thought I remembered seeing you once in the mall, and you had a, a, a cuneiform tablet you were translating while your wife was shopping. Was that you? <laughs> and I was well, so impressed by that. <laughs> well, what happened was uh, I had gotten a hold of a uh, not a, an ancient tablet. But when I was in uh, graduate school, the professor that, uh, of Akkadian, uh, that's, that's the uh, Cuneiform language uh, from uh, ancient Iraq, uh, at any rate, the, the, I had a tablet that was from a, a, a plaster cast ah. of the original tablet. And I was sitting there trying to decipher it. Uh, I, I did that kind of thing on more than one occasion, I think, when I had to wait for my wife shopping, there was yeah. something I would take along, a book or something. So. Yeah. yeah, well, who hasn't done that? Well, right. <laughs> <laughs> Most people are looking at the magazine or the, magazine or the newspaper, not, not John Long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had too much work to try to catch up on. My goodness, mm-hmm. what shopping? <laughs> oh, but I, I was just so impressed by that. I just thought, that oh. is so cool. Who, who, does, who lives like that? Dr. Long, what's the most rewarding thing of looking back on a, a career of teaching like you've had and, and talking again with students like Michael? What, what's the most rewarding thing for you? Well, I think getting to know the students and getting to know that what I was trying to teach, uh, some of it uh, sank in mm. and uh, did sink in, and uh, it may have been helpful to them. And I've been blessed to have some students who, who visited the campus some years after they'd finished uh, Western, and they would come by my office and tell me that uh, they had learned a great deal mm-hmm. in my classes, and I, I felt that was what I was there for, to help them to learn, mm-hmm. to help yeah. them learn, and to grow, I hope, and uh, that it was meaningful to them, and they got a lot out of it. So that's probably the most rewarding thing I can think of. Well, and I can tell you, as, as a person who, who did learn a lot of uh, information in your classes, more so for me, though, that it was it was your enthusiasm uh, and your love of Scripture that that impacted my life. Oh my, thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was trying to think back. I've got my old roll books, <laughs> but they're packed away in a in a not in a closet in a, in a storage facility right mm-hmm. now. 
but I wanted to go back and say, now, which, which courses did I have, Michael? And I remember, I think you were in a course uh, that had to do with the Old Testament Pentateuch, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, oh. yes. I might that pay was, good money to see some yeah, of that now, material. The, gra- <laughs> the grades aren't in that book, are they? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's protected under the secure, uh, freedom of information. I don't know how you... Yeah. <laughs> it probably should be, so I won't go any further. <laughs> well, let, let me say this one other thing about, you know, n- not only is this a person who reads Akkadian uh, tablets, but it, it, later in life you have, have uh, had this new love affair with Cajun music. Let's, let's talk a little bit about that. The last oh. time I was up there, you're playing a squeeze box, singing in French. Yes. I mean, help me out here. Yes, that's right. How did that um, happen? Well, it happened, I guess, in the late uh, 80s, 1980s, oh. and the early 1990s. I don't, I'm somewhere in that span of time. Uh, I was up late one night, and uh, I was kind of tired, so I lie, lie down on a couch in, the, uh, in my living room at the time and uh, turned on the television. And there was this uh, theory, uh, not theory, uh, uh, documentary about Cajun and Creole music mm-hmm. uh, film by the Lomaxes, if you may know that name. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I watched it, I just got more and more interested because over time you hear snatches and bits and pieces of that kind of music, but mm-hmm. nobody really knows anything about it or knows what to say, at least where I was growing up. They didn't have the first clue about what that kind of music was. Mm-hmm. But uh, every time I would hear it, the little snatches of it, I really thought, that's great music, but what is it? Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> And this one night, here's this documentary, and I started watching it. And they told the story of the, the man, whose name was Amade Ardouin. And uh, it was a very tragic little story, in a sense of speaking. And, and it touched me somewhere deeply, and I wanted, I wanted to know more about it, and I wanted to know more about the music. Hmm. And uh, so I just started hunting around and sniffing around, and, and I began to find information, and I just kept gathering information and gathering information. And... Uh, Somebody, I came across a book one night when I was with my wife at a mall somewhere, <laughs> and uh, it was uh, oh I can't come up with the proper title. This is this is one of the, the things about uh, a little bit older names don't yes. come up very quickly. Yes, but anyway, his the, the man's first name was Michael. I can't call his last name at the moment. But he wrote this book about uh, Cajun music. Mm-hmm. So I bought the book. And I started reading, and I found all this information there, including information about Amadi Ardouin, and I started collecting music. <laughs> mm. And the more I listened, the more I liked. My wife gave me a Christmas, when she saw the like I had, she gave me a little Christmas present of a couple of albums by Michael Doucet. And <laughs> so when did you get the squeeze box? When did that happen? Well, uh, after I'd listened to the music, and I'd read about the musicians and so forth, and almost none of them really read music. Uh-huh. Uh, or had any background in musical theory, they just learned everything by ear. I thought, well, you know, maybe I can do that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a couple of years, walking up and down malls, waiting at the mall, waiting for my wife or something, and, and looking in different stores, I, I saw a little toy toy accordion, uh, like the Cajun accordion. And I said, gee, that that looks like the real thing. Well, the short story is, I bought it mm-hmm. eventually, and then I learned how to play the scales, and I taught myself a few songs. And most of the songs I knew were actually uh, hymns. So I found wow. I could play a lot of hymns on, on this little accordion. It had, uh, I think, seven buttons instead of ten. And it was just a toy. Yeah. Uh, but I thought if I could teach myself ten songs, whatever they would be, I would buy myself a real accordion. Wow. And so uh, <laughs> that came about, and I bought myself a real accordion after... That was the first of it. it was a Chinese-made uh, instrument with which very stiff bellows. It was really hard to play. Mm-hmm. But I began to teach myself some songs. Doing everything wrong, to be sure. Uh, you, you, you. If you're a right-handed person, then the the notes, the the, the, the different uh, notes are on the right-hand side, and left with the left hand, you push and you pull the bellows. Because if you pull the bellows, you get one note. Uh, yeah. Note, and if you push, you get the next note. Yeah. Well, I can testify that you you have figured that whole process out because a group of us went up to Bowling Green and played music with you one afternoon, and oh, we could oh. hardly keep up. Okay. Oh, right. come now. Come on. No, it was great. It was great. I had so much fun with it. <laughs> yeah, we need to do that again. I only wish we had a recording of that that we could uh, wrap up here oh, with. So. My. <laughs> Dr. John Long, thank you. It is so wonderful to meet you. And now when we read Michael's book and see to whom it was dedicated, now we know the story behind it. So. 
Well, that's so kind of you to say. I appreciate it deeply, and I know that I'm not worthy of it, but oh. I do thank Michael for being so kind and considerate uh, to, to have uh, dedicated that book to me. I am actually overwhelmed, in truth. Well, but well, thank you, Michael. We, we need to get together again. And done in our doing. We need to get together uh, and, and talk Scripture next time. Okay, that yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> again, thank you. God bless. Thanks, God John. God bless you. Oh, what a sweet man. Thank you for bringing him to us here. Yeah, what a special, what a special brother. We're going to ask you to sing now, New and Living Way, and then uh, we'll do some commentary here with Michael Card coming up. Year after year, there the priest would stand, an offering of blood. Held out in his hand Before the curtain there He would stand in front It hung there to hold in the holy To keep in the light A new and living way Through the curtain that was our hope was born by a new and living way and when time was full another priest came to say he would offer forgiveness for he was the offering he gave from his sacrifice From that dark disgrace Came the power to make anywhere A most holy place A new and living way Through the curtain that was torn The climax of a cross The moment our hope was born By a new and living Thank you, Michael. Let's uh, let's slip into our commentary section mm-hmm. of our podcast now. Um, this is all on your shoulders today because I uh, want to talk about Hesed. Okay, well, something I can talk about yeah, that. I'm going to say something you've dedicated uh, many, <laughs> many moons to studying. First of all, for new listeners, let's explain what Hesed means. Okay, Hesed is a Hebrew word. Uh, it uh, appears 250 times, basically, in actually 248 times in the in the Hebrew Bible. And it's translated in six different English translations. This one word is translated 169 different ways. Okay, hence the title of your book, Inexpressible, Hesed and the Mystery of God's Loving Kindness. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I think it's a unique word. I, I don't know of any other word that has that kind of range of meaning in any, in any language. And most importantly, it's a word that God uses to define himself to okay. Moses in Exodus 34, which is, that's enough yeah. to make it an important word. Well, it's a theme of your new CD as well, yeah. to the kindness of God. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Jesus and Hesed? Yeah. One, one of the interesting things is when you get to the New Testament, uh, which is written in Greek, uh, obviously the word is not going to be mm-hmm. there because mm-hmm. it's a Hebrew word. And uh, you, have to, you have to familiarize yourself with the word in the Old Testament, which is what I tried to do in this book. Uh, these are different facets of the word, and lo and behold, for example, when Paul says uh, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, you go, well, that's Hesed. Kindness is one of the ways it's translated. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, if you're a, a Jesus a Jesus freak, like <laughs> I, I'm unashamed Jesus freak, uh, you you got to ask yourself, okay, so where, how does Jesus engage with this word? And one of the ways he engages with it is in his parables. Uh, he'll, he tells, uh, I think, eight of the parables are specifically teaching uh, Hesed. Uh, the parable of the prodigal son is one of the best examples. My working definition of Hesed, it's when the person from whom I have a right to expect nothing gives me 
everything, not so, a second chance. The father it's, gave everything to the son and the product. Absolutely, son. that's the father. Yeah. That boy has no right to expect anything from his father. What does he get? Does he get a second chance? No, he gets a ring and shoes <laughs> and a robe and a party. Mm-hmm. And the older brother doesn't like that. Of course and not. You frequently see uh, people in the Bible who don't like the fact that God is a God of Hesed. Uh, Jonah, you know, Jonah's oh, angry. Yeah. Right, because the Ninevites— I knew you would. <laughs> well, he said, I knew you would, and he said, because you were a god of hesed, and the word is there. Huh. He basically accuses God of being this god of loving kindness. The very thing that— <laughs> who, who gives people what they don't deserve. My question is, do you want what you deserve? No, <laughs> no. I don't want what I deserve. But the interesting thing about Jesus is uh, twice we know, uh, we have examples in, in Matthew and 9 and 12— when Jesus quotes a verse from Hosea 6.6, 6, which has the word hesed in it. So Jesus you know, says the word, probably in Aramaic, but, mm-hmm. uh, and it's that famous uh, uh, verse, I desire hesed and not sacrifice. Oh. Okay? In both contexts, uh, it has to do with the Pharisees and their hypocrisy. And it's almost as if in Jesus' mind, the, the cure for that kind of Pharisaic hypocrisy is understanding the nature of God, that God would rather you love someone well and show kindness to someone than offer a sacrifice. See, I desire chesed and not sacrifice. The really interesting thing to me uh, about that is, is that verse becomes really the foundation of modern Judaism. And the story happens like this. In, in 70 AD, we all know, well, at least we should all know, this is, one, this is one date that all Christians should know. In 70 AD, Titus destroys Jerusalem and burns the temple to the ground. And um, as they are leaving uh, the, 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 the smoldering sort of ruins of Jerusalem, there are two rabbis. And this is in the Talmud, if you're interested. Uh, one rabbi is very famous. Uh, his name is Yohanan ben Zakkai. He becomes basically the reformer uh, uh, of Judaism. Because if you think about it, Wayne, if you're part of a religion that's based on a temple observance in one specific place, it's not like they can go build a temple someplace else, mm-hmm. right? It's not portable. No, no, you can't go someplace else. Like it used else. to be. <laughs> right. And so what happens is that temple is destroyed, and really, for all intents and purposes, Judaism's done, mm. right? We're It's done. Mm-hmm. We're over. Mm-hmm. It's over. And so as Yohanan ben Zakkai is walking out of uh, Jerusalem, his, uh, one of his disciples, Yosef, uh, Joseph, is with him. And he looks at the city and, and he's sort of uh, lamenting. He says, we no longer have a source of holiness in Israel. By that he means we can't offer sacrifices anymore. So there's, we're, we're done. Basically, we're done. And at that point, Yohanan ben Zakkai, um, and I like to think he's, I mean, clearly he's quoting Hosea 6.6, 6, but I just wonder how much of an influence Jesus' sayings had had, because clearly this is a verse that Jesus must have quoted a lot, especially to the so Pharisees. You heard Jesus quote it I and just, it's stuck in his mind. I and, don't know. Yeah. Or, he, you know, yeah. you know, that makes— Fun to think about, though. Yeah, that? it is. Yeah. yeah. I, I really want this to be yeah. true. You I have can, no you proof. You can ask someday, Mike. Exactly. <laughs> but but Johannan ben Zakkai says uh, to his uh, student, he says— uh, no, we, we now have a greater source of holiness. And then he quotes Hosea 6, I desire chesed and not sacrifice. And so modern Judaism, the Judaism we know today, is based on chesed, on doing acts of chesed. So studying the Torah, you know, uh, good works, that sort of thing are, are all understood of, uh, as acts of chesed. In fact, one of the other later rabbis said that uh, the world rests on three things, uh, studying the Torah, Work, good, you know, solid work, and acts of hesed. Another rabbi said, uh, he who studies the Torah and does not do hesed, it is as if he had no God. Oh, boy. So hesed is very important. And then later on, we have what's known as Hasidic Judaism, Judaism that's based on people who are dependent upon the hesed of God. So uh, hesed has this huge um, uh, uh, part to play in the Reformation of Judaism after 70 A.D., and I think it's connected to Jesus. Yeah. Well, uh, you've spent so much time and effort and research uh-huh. into this. Have other evangelicals done so as well? I mean— Yeah, uh, other people have done work. They tend to be uh, academic. I mean, I've spent the last 10 years reading very academic uh, books 
often, you know, I'm looking up every other word. But until you brought up this word with me, I never heard it before. Really? Well, I I hadn't heard I hadn't heard of it a lot, but uh, 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 there's a great scholar, a woman named Sankenfeld, who wrote a great book on Hesed. Um, I'm trying to remember all the names, but there's there's a half a dozen. Um, major academic books that were uh, that were done on the Book of Hesed, but I, I don't know of anything po- a popular book uh, mm-hmm. that was written. And for me, Wayne, what I, I saw and when I was looking at the laments, a number of the laments, in fact, the most important ones, transition from lament to praise upon this idea of this word Hesed. And uh, I stopped and said, "Whoa," because yeah, I'd studied a little bit of Hebrew, wasn't very good at it, still am not very good at it, but. Um, I thought, what happened? This word changed everything. And uh, I contacted a couple of scholars who I, I admired their scholarship. And I said, tell me about this word. And one of them said, well, that's the defining characteristic of God. I go, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So what followed then was 10 years of just looking at this thing and trying to figure this word out. And and most especially for me, uh, an idea or a word isn't really true until you see it in the life of Jesus. And yeah. so I see Jesus being preoccupied with it in his parables. I see him yelling it at the Pharisees. And then, of course, the the cross is the ultimate act of hesed. I Mm -hmm. stand before Mm -hmm. the cross of Jesus and I say, I have no right to expect anything from you. I nailed you there, Mm -hmm. right? I I drove the nails. I raised the cross. And what do you give me? Are you giving me a second chance? No. Gives you everything. You're giving me everything. And that, but that's the nature of God that he he revealed to Moses in Exodus thirty four. So, it's a it's a beautiful idea, Hesed, that ties all of. I was scripture. just going to say it. I don't know if you want to call them loose threads, but it brings a lot together, doesn't it? It, it yeah. does. Yeah. It's it's a consistent. Well, if it's the, one of the defining characteristics of God, you, that's what you would expect. And and once you start looking for it, it's all through Scripture. You mentioned the scholars that mm-hmm. you checked with. I mean, you must have read dozens of books. Then. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I have two fifteen hundred. Where did you go to find all this? Well, the internet. We can get anything we want on the internet, <laughs> yeah, right? right? Just Google Hesed, and you'll find all the huh. resources. Huh. Lots of art. Lots of journal. Mo- mostly journal articles. Yeah. And the book is out that you've written. It is. And put what you said ten years of yeah, study into this. I had no idea it took me that long, but when I started looking back, I realized I had notes from ten years ago. Yeah. Inexpressible Hesed and the mystery of God's loving kindness. Yes. Thanks for all this effort on our behalf. You, you, and it's not a conclusive or it's not an exhaustive work. Just it's the beginning of a journey. That's all this book is. I understand. We're going to pause our session right there. Be sure to look for Michael's book and CD project when you visit us online at michaelcard.com. Well, coming up, a conversation with Olivier Melnick that you won't want to miss here in the studio with Michael Card. Join us for next week's classic in the studio with Michael Card. This session recorded at the Molen Studio will feature a conversation with Moody Radio's beloved pastor, Donald Cole. Pastor Cole will share his insights on some familiar songs. Then Buddy Green along with keyboardist Jeff Taylor come by the studio for music and conversation. It's guaranteed to put a smile on your face. Watch for the post and share the podcast link with a friend in iTunes or Google Play. Our regular listeners know that you can contact us through our website. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And when you go to michaelcard.com, Mike, your schedule is there, mm-hmm. books are there, so on. So check out that check out that website, michaelcard.com. And we'd also love for you to leave us a note uh, about what you think about the show. I mean, Please. don't be mean or anything, <laughs> but uh, be if, gentle. If you have topics that you would like for us to cover, or if there are other uh, guests that you would like for us to, to mm-hmm. interview, we would love to try to connect with those people. For Email you. us with that in the studio at michaelcard.com, mm-hmm. or leave us a review on iTunes where the podcast is hosted. It can be heard in many places as a podcast, but iTunes is is its original uh, location where you can leave a review. So that's that's very helpful. Uh, we're going to meet Olivier Melnick of Chosen People Ministries coming up. So we're going to ask you in a moment to sing Valley of Dry Bones. Yeah, Olivier has a ministry. He's a, he's a Jewish uh, believer, and he has a ministry uh, that combat, combats anti-Semitism. And he very, very connected in, in terms of uh, where Israel is and the prophecies regarding Israel. And this song is based on uh, Ezekiel 37, and uh, the prophet has this vision 
of this valley of uh, skeletons, literal dry yeah. bones, and they they are not articulated, as to say, you know, they are just <laughs> it's a, this valley full of scattered bones. And uh, God uh, says, prophesy concerning these bones, and and the the verse I love is, is uh, thirty seven seven. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. While I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. And basically what happens is they stand up this vast army. It's about the restoration of Israel. Fabulous. All right. Well, let's ask Mike to sing that song for us right now. This is from a studio recording here, right here, Valley of Dry Bones, Michael Card. The floor so full of bones so very dry. The Lord did ask, Can these bones live? Might these bones rise once more? What else was I to say but you alone can tell, O Lord? A legion now alive, a resurrected army, a living hope. Prophesy, O son of man, cry out to this dead horde. And when they come to life again, they'll know I am the Lord. And as I spoke what I was told, there came a rattling sound. As bone to bone they formed a mass of bodies on the ground. Your dead will come alive, their graves will lie abandoned, and all those living in the dust will wake and shout for joy. stood upon their feet, a mighty vast army, a legion now alive, a resurrected army, a living holy host of a people born again. The dead will come alive, their graves will lie abandoned, and all those dwelling in the dust will wake and shout for joy. Remember you doing that in the studio? Uh, Katie was with us that day. Your daughter, right? She's playing. She's playing uh, Balron, the drum. Uh huh. Yeah, and, and you're I'm playing, playing a mandola. Mandola, which is a big mandolin, basically. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a very special guest with us. I'm, I've been looking forward to talking with Olivier yes. here because you told me how you met Olivier. Well, we have two different versions now, see, of how I met. I want to hear his version of well, how you met. His version is the true version. My version is much more interesting. <laughs> okay. We met at the Wailing Wall. Now, this much is true. We met at the Wailing Wall, and I'm wailing. I'm crying. Hmm. And I look next to me, and he looks over. He goes, Mike Card? And that, that, that's, I think, at that point, our story's branch. Okay, all right. My, my story's not true, but it's much better. O- Olivier Melnick is with us. Olivier, is Mike uh, right on so far? Y- yes, so far. The, at the very, very <laughs> beginning of the story, I, I guess we, we both agree. We, uh, okay. was a, I was at the Willing Wall. My wife, Ellen, was in the ladies' section. And uh, we, uh, I see this man passing uh, across to go to the very right corner of the wall to uh, uh, to pray, and I'm going like, he looks familiar, looks like Michael Card. <laughs> and so I'm still there when he turns around and comes back about 15 minutes later, and he goes, and I, and I look at him and I go, excuse me, is your name Michael? And he smiles at me, and he, he had teary eyes, and he goes, yes, uh, yes, I am. So you're Michael Card, aren't you? And we engage in conversation. That's how it got started. Okay, that's the and, story. 
But Mike, you tell a slightly different version of the story. Well, my my version is as a Jewish person, he listened to my music and came to faith, and 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 <laughs> okay. it, it my music make all the difference in the world, <laughs> which is a much more interesting story. It just doesn't happen to be true. So, what's the true story, Olivier? Well, uh, in in all humility, which you didn't seem to have too much when you posted that on Twitter, uh, <laughs> uh, what happened is that my wife, uh, I just mentioned Ellen, uh, led me to the Lord uh, in France. When she had come to France to marry me, she led me to the Lord. We got married, and we returned to uh, California, when she's from at the time, and uh, very quickly uh, coming into the States, I started listening to some Christian music, not a lot, but some, and Michael's music really ministered to me uh, immediately. Uh, there was something special about his music, the words, the love for Israel, uh, the love for the Jewish people, everything just it worked for me. I just was not ready to go into the hymns and uh, the typical Christian Gentile music that I had never heard in my lifetime. So I listened to that music, it ministered to me, and but it was after I became a believer. Okay, so I'm glad to get the real I story. That, I saw that Twitter thing when <laughs> Michael said, you know, uh, the, this Jewish French guy came to the Lord listening to my music. Yeah. I, 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 I got a hold of Michael, I said, listen, it sounds really good, it's not exactly what happened. Yeah, Olivier, you know, never believe everything you read on Twitter. You know, let, let, in my own defense, okay, th- this is what we call a created memory. I'm not lying. I'm honestly not oh, lying. Yeah, uh-huh. I really thought it yeah, happened that you way. You and Brian Williams. No, someone has just written a whole book on this. Uh, I know. It's yeah. a created memory. Yeah. I yeah. listened to uh, a podcast about this yeah. recently. So, But since then, Olivia and I, uh, Olivia and I have, have hung out together, spent a little time together uh, up in Seattle. Um, yeah. And, um, well, let's give him a proper introduction. Yes. This is Olivier Melnick, who is uh, has a ministry. He serves Chosen. as the Northwest Regional Director in Washington State of Chosen People's Ministry National Director of Training, helping prepare the next generation of ambassadors for Messiah, and you serve on the Board of Directors for Chosen People Ministry. Did I get that right? Uh, the, the, the French Board, yes. The, the French, French board. board. The French Board. You're originally from France, obviously. Correct. How did you meet your wife yes. then? Uh, I met my wife during uh, during a trip that I made to California in the early 80s. Uh, I had fallen in love with the country, uh, so I'd gone uh, every year I would come and visit, you know, East Coast and West Coast. And, and uh, you know, I met my, my wife was a friend of a friend, and we met, and we fell in love. And then uh, uh, within a little less than a year after I returned back to France, she uh, came uh, to France. And a uh, series of events, she led me to the Lord, which that? was a process. Hmm. And uh, we came back to the state. And then you studied at Moody Bible Institute and Dallas Seminary. So, uh, well, the Mo- M- Moody is behind me. Yes, I uh, I got a, a degree from an undergrad from Moody, and I'm currently working on my master's at DTS. Yes. Okay, all right. So now you've been properly introduced here. But thank you for setting us straight in uh, in the story with Michael here. We got to keep him honest. You know that, right? Hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's turn a corner, and let's talk about some serious things. Yes. Because uh, yes. We, we really appreciate your time, Olivier. Um, there's been just some uh, terrible uh, things happen in the world in terms of uh, Jewish oppression, and we want to talk to you about that. What What's going on, and what is your view of what— Go ahead, Mike. And, well, and I want you to help me to understand why why all of a sudden it's on the increase on college campuses— uh, we just we need to be brought up to speed. Yeah, this is going to sound like a sh- uh, 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 you know shameless plug, but uh, I uh, I just finished publishing my, my third book called End Times Antisemitism. I mm. am uh, I've been studying and teaching against antisemitism for the last twenty years. You know within the 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 the, the, the you know within the mission, the Chosen People Ministries work, and. Uh, it it has been increasing uh, Europe Europe even more than the U.S. and it continues. Uh, I believe uh, I believe there's no question in my mind that anti-Semitism is a creation of Satan because he hates everything that love God that God loves mm-hmm. and 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 loves everything that God hates. So he's going to want to hurt, destroy, uh, ostracize, do all those things to the Jewish people. So. So that they will, uh, you know, if he can completely destroy the Jews, he will have succeeded. Of course, the Bible tells us otherwise. Mm-hmm. But he will continue, and he's used people over the centuries, uh, all kinds of different people. And now there is a, a new form of anti-Semitism that, as as you can see on the news, even on the regular news, 
it's 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 happening more and more. Uh, there was just a a a, a, um, a, a poll that was uh, published just a few days ago that thirty four percent of Europeans either do not know what the Holocaust is or have very little knowledge of it. Thirty four percent. Unbelievable. Mm. And so that that's very scary. Uh, but you know, as as believers, we have to understand that the the, the anti-Semitism again is rooted in in Satan's hatred for the Jews and knowing that God has a special plan for Israel, special plan for the Jews, and that includes them to until the end of times. And eventually, Satan is going to be you know sent to the lake of fire, and uh, Israel will come to a believing uh, to believe in the Messiah at the end uh, at the end of God's program, and and that's that's at the core of anti-Semitism, and we see it coming back full force. In Europe, of course, in the Middle East, it's been going on for a while. And people are even like don't even pay attention anymore. Yeah. But in Europe and in America, it's coming. Uh, it, it's coming more and more. And I don't think it's going to slow down. I think I think it's going to be a great opportunity uh, for church uh, churches and and uh, and Gentile Christians to really reach out to their Jewish friends and make a difference when they kind of missed the boat seventy five years ago when it you know when. Second World War happened and the Holocaust happened. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we begin that process? Uh, well, if if Christian, if if Gentile Christians would start by reading their Bible, you know, they would see that God is not done with Israel. That God is as a plan for Israel, and that doesn't mean that Jewish people are saved. Mm. They, the Jewish people still have to to put their trust in, in in the death and resurrection of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, for their for their sins to be saved. But uh, but a lot of Christians don't read their Bible, and they're buying all the lies that they read in the media about the Jewish oppression and and, and quote and quote Palestine, Israel, and, and 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 now it's going all over the world. Anything happens in Israel, any Jewish person in the world can. Uh, can suffer from that, uh, even physical harm. Uh, we need to reach out to our Jewish community. Pastors and churches uh, need to reach out to their Jewish communities, call, their, call the rabbi, introduce themselves, say, listen, I'm a pastor, I read my Bible, I love Israel, I love the Jewish people, I don't want you to think that all Christians are anti-Semitic, which is, by the way, the default mechanism for Jewish people. Yes. Jewish people believe that 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 Christians are anti-Semitic, that the New Testament is anti-Semitic, and 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 so so pastors need to need to show the example. They need to teach their congregation uh, about what the Bible says about the Jewish people. They need to reach out to the Jewish community if something happens, like what happened in Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. Reach out. And some did, some did, uh, reach out to the community and say, can we help? What can we do? Can we help, uh, uh, you know, uh, clean up a, a tombstone that was uh, defaced with a swastika? Can we help re- uh, rebuild something that was uh, destroyed in the community? I mean, we're, we're Christians who love Israel because that's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, we want to help. They, you might get a no. They might get a no from the Jewish community, but their effort to reach out will not go unnoticed. Well, that's a strong call for us to be proactive, but what if we don't live in a Jewish neighborhood or we don't have any Jewish friends? What What can we do? Well, if you don't have any Jewish friends, uh, you first of all, you'd be surprised how many people have Jewish friends don't even know they're Jewish, mm-hmm. which uh, which goes which goes against the uh, the uh, stereotype that Jewish people have, uh, you know, you know, uh, curved nose, dark skin, curly hair, and blah blah blah. You know what people say, mm-hmm. which is you know it's ridiculous. But uh, if you don't have any Jewish friends, if you live in the middle of rural America, for instance. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be done uh, that can be done by uh, organizations like Chosen People Ministries. You can pray for our, our organization, pray for our workers, and even support some of our workers because all of us are missionaries, you know. Right. So, and I'm not, again, I'm not, I, I'm not inviting people, you know, I'm not saying support us. This is not the purpose of this conversation. I understand. But if, if, you, if you want to reach out to the Jewish community, the, the, the number one reason for us to reach out is to introduce him to Yeshua, the Messiah. Right. And, and uh, I, I would imagine we don't know, have to look very far to, to, to realize that we do live among Jewish friends and neighbors, and we should be talking to them about these things. So how do we build that bridge? What, what can we do? What can we say? Like everybody else, uh, when you talk to people, uh, often 
Christians can be guilty of, of talking to people to get them saved. They look at them like a project, like a number. And they do whatever they can to, to, to throw the gospel at them and then see what happens. Uh, you have to build relationships. So be a friend. Especially yeah. with Jewish. Yeah. yeah. Be, be real, be genuine about, about your relationship. Uh, especially with Jewish people, there's going to be a mistrust at the very onset because of everything that has been done by quote-unquote Christians. You know, I have this uh, visual that I use in a lot of my presentation that I put together. It's a suitcase with, like, the Holocaust, the Crusades, the, the Inquisition, Martin Luther, and I say, you come in the conversation with that suitcase, you put it down, your Jewish friend knows everything that's in it, and you either ignore it, or you try to push it aside, or you try to minimize it. It exists, it's there, it might not be you, but that's what they think. So you build a relationship, you take time, and you tell them as soon as possible, say, listen, you know where, I'm, you know where I stand, I believe that, and you, and you, you give them the gospel. Uh, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, for the sins of the world, and I'm not one of those... Uh, people that think that Israel is the problem and and and, and anti-Semitism is nowhere found in the Bible and 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 you just you know eventually your friend might ask you know Jewish people are very inquisitive we love to talk we love to argue so your friend will ask questions well uh, you know you tell them and say you know you can find the Messiah Yeshua Jesus in the Jewish scriptures and then that's when it becomes a big problem for you. In general, going to say you because now you have to lead your friend. And most Christians cannot do it through the Old Testament messianic prophecies to paint the picture of Jesus before he came. And then and that's what happened with me. My wife showed me some of the messianic prophecies, and she said those things happen, and they paint the picture of only one person, and that's Jesus. And I had to either make a decision in favor of or reject him, which of course, thirty-five years ago, I invited him in my heart. But uh, it's it's a process. It's going to take time, and your friend has to trust you, which will not happen. Of course, if it's somebody you've known for 10, 15, 20 years, you might already be beyond that, but it's not always the case. The last time I was in Jerusalem, Olivier, uh, we were standing at the wall, and there was a group of uh, Jewish students uh, uh, dancing, um, and a, a few that wouldn't dance were standing to the side, and I was standing w- along with them. And this young Jewish man turns to me and said, "Why are you here?" And I said, "I love, I love Jerusalem. I love the Jewish people." And and that he could not process that 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 there was this person who'd come to his country simply because he loved the Jewish people, and so I didn't know where to go from there. If you see that he cannot, uh, he cannot process that, uh, you know, I, I, I would look at the body language and I would say, like, you know, I love the Jewish people, I love Israel, I love Jerusalem, mm. and then you see that he's looking at you like, he's like without words, uh, you look at him and he says, what do you think of that? Yeah, okay. You know, you, know, you, know, you, 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 you Jewish people, especially in Israel, even more so in Israel, uh, Jewish people in Israel love to talk, love to interact. So what do you think of that? And, and see what he says. And then, uh, you're like, and then you, you know, it's, it's, it's an, an easy way, an easy segue to say, and the reason why I love Israel is because in your very scripture, in the Jewish scripture, it talks on every page, it talks about Israel and Jerusalem and the Jewish people and God's plan for Israel and God's promises and covenants. And, 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 and you know, and then at some point the guy's going to go, I, I don't know, I don't read the Bible, or yeah. I mean, what well, can I show you? Can I show you a couple? Or it, There's all, so many ways. Just next time, take me with you. We'll do it together. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, just, so just follow that and you'll be off to the races. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Olivier Melnick, I, it's Mike said we would enjoy this conversation, and he didn't disappoint. So you haven't disappointed us. Thank you, Olivier. Oh, my, my pleasure. Anytime. By the way, if anybody is looking uh, uh, to get more information about what we're discussing, which, of course, we have very little time today, uh, I have a website, uh, which is my name, oliviamalnick.com, where they can get a copy of my book if they're interested. And we can and link that also, to ours as well. It's yep. also on Amazon, too. Yeah, we'll we'll link that uh, on our website. So when they come to our, our website, they'll be able to find your link and, and go straight to you. Thanks, good brother. You're welcome. You're I mean, welcome. Maybe we'll meet uh, at the Wailing pleasure. Wall someday. I'm going to keep telling the story my way, by the way. <laughs> That's okay. And I'll keep correcting you whenever, whenever I have a chance. <laughs> God bless. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Au revoir. Thanks for having me. Au revoir.
endeavor to love one another and do what is pleasing to him be strengthened by grace and worship in reverence and awe the God of peace and grace be with you all and may the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with good things for doing his will and grace be with you all forget not the sufferings of Jesus and bear the disgrace that he bore confessing his name for Christ is the same yesterday today and forever say that that song expresses our prayer that this hour together has been a gift that has refreshed you. I know I've enjoyed meeting some new friends and learning more about the Word of God as we talked about Hesed. Have these conversations been of help to you? We hope you'll send us your story of how you've been encouraged to continue along in your walk with Christ. We look forward to reading your comments and questions. You can reach us several ways. Send your email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook when you search for Michael Card. We're excited about Michael's book and CD that we talked about earlier. Find out how to order a copy of the book, Inexpressible, and the companion CD project, To the Kindness of God. Look for these when you stop by michaelcard.com. Again, that's michaelcard.com. And we hope you'll tell a friend about what you've discovered here in the studio. They can subscribe by searching for Michael Card in iTunes or Google Play. Now for all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Ashley Smith, Lance Mansfield, Jeff Jones, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us again in the studio with Michael Carr.